0: So Jesus, through the power of your word spoken to us, your scripture, would you please uh, change our heart to make us more like you? We pray this in your name. Amen. Let me start with a question. How many of you have ever Googled your own name? Or for you, Microsofties, binged it, or whatever the appropriate verb would be. Come on, someone, so I'm not alone, please. Okay, there you go. All right, so I'm not the only weirdo that's done that. It's amazing what you can discover, especially on Bing, a far superior product. <laughs> I'm not getting any emails this week. I found an old article from the Seattle PI quoting one of my sermons, and it said that when I was done preaching, and I quote, the congregants erupted into tears and applause. You did? <laughs> I don't remember that. I certainly hope it's true, because that would make me feel very important and very significant, which is something we all want, right? We all want to feel like we matter, like we have worth. I mean, isn't that part of what Mother's Day is for? To make our moms feel loved and cared for, for everything they've done. But what really does that? What really gives us a sense that we matter, that we have worth, that we are important? What does that in a permanent way? Because after all, there I am on Bing, I am practically famous, right? I, mean, I even once got a call from a pastor from the East Coast who asking if he could preach my sermons verbatim as his own, including the personal stories. I thought, how's that going to work? Is your wife named Christina? I, but I told him that he could because it made me feel important forever, right? More like five minutes. So what makes us feel valued? What makes us feel valuable? What makes us feel like we have worth and significance in a way that lasts? Because we all want it. The story we read today about the conversion of Saul, who changes his name and becomes the Apostle Paul, gives us some hints. Now, the Apostle Paul is arguably the most important person in history, aside from Jesus. He spread Christianity around the Mediterranean from there to the rest of the world which led eventually to the rise of Europe, hospitals, universities, the Industrial Revolution, and reality TV. (laughs) Paul is very important. I'm not going to talk about him. I want to talk about the other guy in this story, the guy you probably haven't heard of, Ananias. A lot of people name their kid Paul. How many of you named your son Ananias, right? (laughs) Nobody. Shocking. But without Ananias, no Paul. Ananias shows Paul, a persecutor of Christians, goes to him, calls him brother, makes him feel loved, and because of that, he becomes the apostle Paul. You see, great doors swing on small hinges. No Ananias, no Paul. Ananias had a huge impact. But more than that, Ananias felt significant. He heard Jesus personally give him a task, that only Ananias could do and he got to be part of changing the world through one tiny small act of faithfulness because great doors swing on small hinges. Both of those things hearing from Jesus and being part of changing someone's life that's what makes us feel significant. You know our culture says that what you need is if you're famous if you have a prestigious job or wealth then you'll feel important because folks well well they'll think you're important they'll be impressed. So we work real hard to get those things, but it doesn't last, does it? Some of you have maybe heard me say before that when I was finishing my dissertation, one day my grandmother said, hurry up and finish that little paper of yours. So I said, well, actually, Grandma, it's it's more like a book. And she said, whatever, no one's going to read it anyway, just finish it. (laughs) Meanwhile, Christina was howling with laughter. As Jesus said, he who exalts himself will be humbled by his wife it's in the Greek trust me so what makes us feel valuable and significant in a way that's really gonna last two things from this story the first is to hear Jesus say to you I've got something that I've designed for you to do and you're the one you're my man you're my woman no one else can do this Ananias got a personalized call from Jesus to do something that nobody else could do as well. And when you hear Jesus, who is the God of the universe, say, I've got something I want you and nobody else to do, it makes you feel like the most important person in the world. And we hear Jesus ask us that in lots of ways, maybe through a sermon or through those thoughts that are clearly not our thoughts that come from him or someone else, something someone says. Right now, you got to check all that again. Scripture, make sure that it's Jesus. But when it is, and you hear him say, I've got something that I want you to do, that makes you feel profoundly significant. This week, will you just take a little bit of time to listen? Not just talk at Jesus, listen. Lord, is there something you want me to be doing? Because it'll make you feel significant. Not to add one more thing to your plate, it'll make you feel like you matter. One way to do that would be to come this Tuesday, 7 o'clock, upper campus. We're going to worship, we're going to celebrate, and we're going to pray for the East Side. Some of us are also going to be fasting that day for God's power to be released. On the east side, you can join us in that if you want as well. Just to put yourself in a place where you can hear from Jesus because when you hear the God of the universe invite you to do something personally, well, you feel really important. Second thing that makes us feel like we matter and that gives us joy and significance is when Jesus uses us to transform someone's life. And it doesn't have to be some huge thing we do either. Ananias transforms Paul's life, and Paul changed history. But he got there, Paul got there, because Ananias was willing to do one small thing, just go and be a personal presence, put his hand on Paul's shoulder, and say, Brother Saul, so much depends upon that hand on that shoulder. The future of Christianity, the fate of the world on that one small act of personal touch. Everything depends on it. You see, great doors swing on small hinges. Do you believe that the most personal touch you can give, maybe it's unseen, unsung, can literally lead to a chain of events that could change lives? Great doors swing on small hinges. Saul becomes the apostle Paul only through Ananias' love. And that could not have been easy to do. Paul persecuted Christians. That's why in the passage you'll notice Jesus says, go to Paul, and you kind of hear Ananias go, basically, he says, um... FYI, Lord, he kills Christians for a living. Funny, I thought you heard—I thought I heard you say, "Go to him." I heard that wrong, right, Lord? Jesus goes, "No, go." Being used by Jesus to transform lives—yes, it gives us a sense of worth and significance and joy. But it is hard. Truth in advertising—it can be hard. As I've shared with you before, my wife wrote a book last year. It's a very Christian book with a profoundly redemptive ending. But one of the characters is an at-risk teen who talks and acts like an at-risk teen. Well, no secular publisher would touch it because it was too Christian, and no Christian publisher would touch it because of the at-risk teen parts. So Christina published it herself. Well, as she was researching, she found a website for a Christian publisher that said that that, that their books could contain... None of the following things. No cussing, no smoking, no dancing. You know, just this long list of things that couldn't be in the book. You know, the Christian team cheer. We don't drink, we don't chew, we don't go with girls who do. Yay team, right? (laughs) Boy, I want to be part of that team. And then at the end of the list, this long list, it said, or anything else that might leave a residue. Whatever that is, right? So Christina asked me, does my book leave a residue? And I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, But in a good way, honey, right? A good residue. And just by the way, she's written a sequel, which is out in two weeks. And it's even better than the first. And yes, that's a shameless plug, but it's Mother's Day. And that was part of her present. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear a sermon on go help someone, I kinda get that, ooh, but they might leave a residue on my life. Or I'm too busy getting accolades, racking up accomplishments to impress other people so I'll feel important. But then all I get out of that is stressed out, trying to win approval of other people that doesn't last. And what joy do I forfeit when I ignore God's call to give a personal touch to someone else? About a year ago, I was writing a sermon and I got a call from a former student who needed to talk, was having some problems. But I was really anxious to get this sermon done to you know, impress all of you so I could feel significant, so you would erupt in applause and tears and all that, as you do. Um, so I find, found myself trying to hurry the conversation along. you know. And finally I said to him, well, I'll be praying for you, which is Christianese for we're done now, let's hang up, right? But he didn't speak Christianese, so he kept talking. And I kept thinking, I can't help you right now. I have a sermon to write on the topic of what was... Oh, happened to be serving others that week. (laughs) Hate it when that happens, right? So I started to really listen. And we prayed together. I think I was able to help him. And when we were done, the anxiety over the sermon was greatly diminished. I just felt this peace. You know why? Because I felt like I mattered in a way that could not be erased by preaching a bad sermon. That conversation is now a part of eternity. Jesus used me to help him, and that gave me a greater sense of worth and value and significance and diminished the anxiety to win approval by performing all the time. Freedom. Now, we don't have to respond to every need we see, right? That's not what I'm saying. The need is not always the call, right? But when it truly is the call of Jesus, it gives us a lasting sense of significance and joy. One of the things I love about you guys, I've said this many times, is you do this. You serve so well, many of you. And this church has been doing that for 55 years, caring for others, coffee houses for the drug addicts, participating in hunger relief, more recently the Ripple Effect campaign where we built the Center for Champions for Street Kids in Rwanda, the Jubilee Reach Center to help families in need on the east side. And the next step in that process that we're doing is called this Deeper Impact campaign I've talked about the last couple of weeks where we're inviting people to consider doing one of three things. Now, along the way, some of you have said to me, I don't like this sermon series, which has been very affirming. (laughs) But I'm getting freer from people-pleasing, so, oh well. Um, (laughs) You've said, ah, it's making me feel guilty like I should be doing more. Oh, I really don't want to say that. Really, no, no. Some of you are already doing an awful lot of stuff, and this may not be Jesus' call for you and you don't have to earn his love by doing more. But for some of you, he is going to nudge you to do one of three things, and I'm going to invite you to pray about it this week. Let me review them. Some of you may be called to walk alongside a family in need or an at-risk teen as a peer or mentor. That word peer actually stands for presence, empathy, encouragement, and resources. That's all you have to do. This small act, just like Ananias, go and be a personal presence to someone. You don't have to fix their problems. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have all the resources. We'll provide those for you. You just have to give a loving touch to someone and walk alongside them, be a pastoral presence. Second opportunity is to be part of a resource team, medical, legal, financial counseling and others that will support the peers and the mentors so that when those people that they're mentoring need help, need resources, these resource teams can be called on to help those folks out. And then the third is to be an ambassador for Jesus in your home, office, or neighborhood. We talked a little bit about that last week. And you may be thinking, ah, that sounds scary, especially the peer mentor thing. Ooh, walk alongside someone in need, scary, scary. We will equip you. We will help you do that. But more than that, Jesus will show up. And that's why we've got to do this. Not for the folks we help, them too, but for ourselves. Because when we get out on a limb to do what God is calling us to do and serve others in a personal way, we change. Our hearts grow. We see God do things that we didn't think were possible, and we feel like we matter in ways that last. There's a woman in our church named Tina Candu. Through the Jubilee Reach Center, Tina was connected with a single mom named Danielle who was doing just fine until Danielle got MS. And then everything just fell apart, physically, emotionally, financially. So Tina became a peer to simply love and encourage Danielle. And then resource teams came along to help this family out in practical ways. I want you to hear their story.
1: Danielle Falkowski, was a single mom who was getting along fine but then one day she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and from that point her life really disintegrated. Everything was going downhill for them financially, physically, she lost her job and she moved in with her own mom. So well, the counselor at the son's school knew how unhappy his life had become and how many difficulties the family was facing. And she came to the Jubilee Reach Center asking if, if there could be help for the family. The Jubilee Reach Center has a program called Community Caregiving. The goal of the program is to come alongside families who are in deep needs or gone through a crisis. It was really difficult to come walking into the situation and see how bad it was. I'm just one person and I know God has a solution but it's bigger than I can do and then God provided answers through all the people that came alongside and helped. Even though you may witness things that are hard the joy that you'll feel in seeing somebody uh, come to uh, happiness and hope from a condition of hopelessness, it'll just bring you joy. In Bellevue, we can feel like our financial picture or our looks or something like that is what gives us worth. But that's not something that's gonna last for anybody no matter where you are. last are relationships and love. The thing about love is it demonstrates that people have worth regardless of what they have in their wallet. Danielle experienced the love of God that affirmed her worth in God's eyes. I've enjoyed an abundant life because of what Jesus did for me. And we're all called to help other people come into that abundant life.
0: Tina will probably never get her name in the paper because of what she did for Danielle Falkowski. She'll probably never be celebrated publicly, but she made a huge difference by one small act of faithfulness, by going alongside a woman in need and then connecting her to the resource teams that could help them out practically and simply show the love of Jesus to this woman. It wasn't easy, but the payoff Tina got was she got to see God do miracles. I love what she said. I didn't have the answers. I didn't know where they're going to come from, but God had the answers, and I saw him show up. And Tina got to be part of transforming Danielle's life so that Danielle now knows that there's a God who loves her. And in talking with Tina, I know she got way more out of that than she ever gave out. And I love what she said at the end. We base our worth on things that don't last, but what lasts is love and relationships. So will you pray about this? Will you just pray, Jesus, what do you, how do you want me to be part of your rescue operation? Many of you are already doing it. Maybe it's just to keep doing the same. Maybe it's something different. Jesus has already nudged bunches of you to do this deeper impact thing, and he's going to nudge others of you. Some of you will be goers. The rest, you're going to be senders and pray for the people who sign up to do this. There's a card in your bulletin. Take it home. Pray over it. And next week, if you turn that card in, here's what you're doing. You're not committing yet. You're just saying, I'm interested. I feel a nudge, but I need more help. We'll give you more information. We'll give you someone to discern with you if this is Jesus' call. And it will be real discernment, not arm-twisting. Because it's got to be Jesus' call, and we'll help you figure out if it is. And if it is his call, we'll help you take the next step. And if you do, you're going to feel significance like you never have before. Close with a story from a pastor I know from Honolulu. And one day he was praying. He got a nudge, he knew it was the Holy Spirit, to go to the principal of his son's high school and ask if he could be the chaplain of the baseball team. Well, that was kind of scary, public high school, the whole church state thing. But more than that, when this pastor was in high school himself, he had many opportunities to go to the principal's office, but never in the good way. (laughs) But the nudge kept going. So he went, and at first they resisted, but he just kept kind of pursuing it. And finally, the, the coaches and the principal said, "Okay, you can have two minutes before the next game. But don't talk about God, Jesus, prayer, the Bible, the church, or anything spiritual. Just be inspiring. So he went, and he was inspiring, and then he got men from his church to each befriend one player each, take him to, to a game or coffee or whatever, and then to pray for that player and for, that, and for the team morale, which was really low because the team was at the bottom of the league. Well, at first, the coaches really objected, but the pastor said, well, it's not like what you're doing is working. Prayer could hardly hurt, right? Well, guess what? After a couple weeks, morale dramatically improved, as did their playing. And they ended the season with a better record than they'd ever had before. So the next year, the football, basketball, and soccer coaches were all asking for chaplains. And the same thing happened. All of their teams improved. So in light of this story, I have decided to offer my services to the Mariners. (laughs) Because somebody has to, right? (laughs) Well, then this pastor's son said to him, Dad, my high school is a wreck. It is filled with crime and drugs and gangs. Dad, I want you to get every kid in my high school someone to pray for them. So this pastor called a bunch of other pastors. They got 18 churches together. Every kid in that high school had someone praying for them and occasionally taking them to coffee and being a presence in their life. Well, they kicked the whole thing off with this big rally where they worshiped and they prayed, just like we're going to do on Tuesday night here, and prayed for Jesus' healing. The next day, the top three drug dealers in that school were arrested. That had never happened before. Cops had been trying for years to get them, but their friends had always protected them. Then, over the next year, crime in that school dropped 50%, while test scores and graduations went way up. So now, a lot of other high schools in Honolulu are asking to have churches pray for them. Public high schools asking the church, will you pray for us? Folks from New Jersey have been calling to find out what they've done to turn things around so dramatically. And when the pastor says, well, we prayed, they say, no, 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 no. What government programs? What, you know? He goes, Jesus did it. No, it can't be that. No, Jesus did it, right? He's ignited this mini revival. It is a big deal. But it started because of his one small act of faithfulness. To be a loving presence for some high school students and simply to pray for him. And behind him is an army of Ananiases, or Ananii, or whatever that would be. (laughs) Folks whose names nobody are ever going to know. They'll never be credited with starting a revival, but they are having a deep impact behind the scenes by praying and being a presence in people's lives. Great doors swing on small hinges. And big things come when we do small acts of love. In Jesus' name, you can change a whole community. And we find a sense of worth that can never be taken away when the next deal goes south, or the boss is on our case, or the stock market goes down for who knows what reason. So where might Jesus be calling you to be part of his rescue mission? Maybe it's in your home, your office, your neighborhood. Or maybe it's this deeper impact thing. And while you respond, even if you don't know where it's going, even if it's hard, knowing that if it is his call, it will give you joy, and you will be a hinge upon which some great door will swing. And you will never doubt that you are significant again. Jesus, thank you. You could have done it all on your own, but you invite us to be part of your rescue mission and ask, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us. What is that for each one of us? Is different for everyone in the room. Call us to the thing you want, and Lord, we do pray for the east side, Bellevue, Kirkland, Issaquah, Redmond, and beyond, that you would heal our community and bring your kingdom. And Lord, make us part of it. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.